0: Thanks for joining us for today's message. Our mission here at Plum Creek is to help you experience intimacy with God, intentionality with family, and influence with others. Our hope is that what you hear today will impact and challenge you to love God and the people around you in a whole new way. We'd encourage you to check us out online at PlumCreekOnline.com to see how Plum Creek is impacting our community and what opportunities we might have for you or for your family to get connected. If you'd like to support the ministry we're doing here in Castle Rock, the two easiest ways are through our website, plumcreekonlinecom give or via text, just text any dollar amount to 720-606-5563. Thanks again for joining us today. Uh, you know, over the Easter celebration
1: we've been <clears throat> working hard to, to be able to raise some resources, to be able to help our new partner, One Child Matters, to build two child development centers. On the other side of the world, one in the Philippines and one in Honduras. And we set a goal over Easter to raise $50,000 to help offset some of those costs and to add to some of the money that we've been saving. And I am excited to report to you that $47,475 are currently in-house. Isn't that awesome? Praise the Lord. However, a family from Palm Creek knows that their employer does a matching thing with contributions like this. If your company does that, take advantage of it. So we're waiting for a $10,000 match to come in, which will push us over the $50,000 mark. And uh, you guys, praise the Lord, that is some good news right there. And so <clears throat> if you will combine that, we actually have $75,000 already set aside, so we're over 130000 is going to pay for those child development centers to be done. And uh, we'll be learning more about that, excited to be able to... Um, partner with One Child Manners to make a difference in kids' lives. And we're going to be able to go and see them and see these facilities that God's helping us to be able to build as we work together. Man, isn't it great to see what we can do when we do this together? Isn't that great? It's awesome. So thank the Lord for that. Okay, so today we're starting this new series called Like a Child. And let me kind of give you the heart behind why we're doing this. Uh, I've been a pastor for 25 years, and I know that um, oftentimes in my own life, but also in the lives of those that I've had an opportunity to work with and to know, be in relationship with, that we overcomplicate what it means to, to, uh, to follow Jesus. We like to add a lot of stuff to it. We like to make it way more complicated than it ever was intended to be. And so today, we're going to kind of slow that spin a little bit. And you know, sometimes the messages that we need to hear are the, are the simplest messages, aren't they? But what I've also found to be true, and maybe you'll find this to be true too, is that sometimes the most difficult messages are, are, are to apply are those simple messages. And so this is going to be one of those weeks. I believe that if we, as we head into this series, as we uh, just listen to the voice of God, our hearts could be open to something very powerful that could really um, springboard you in your relationship with God. So could you do me a favor? Could you just bow your head for a second? Lord, you know what I'm going to say today, and you know that the truth of it. And, uh, God, we, we need to capture this today. We need to capture your heart. We need to understand what it means to follow you with a childlike heart, God. And so will you help us today to capture that? I know, Lord, that you want to do something in each of our lives. So help us to block out distraction, focus in and hear your voice, and have courage today. In your name we pray. Amen. So this passage of Scripture that's going to be the foundation for this series, very simple yet very powerful passage of scripture is found in Luke chapter 18. So you can turn there in your Bibles and your smartphones, your iPad, whatever you brought with you today. We'll also have it on the screen here in just a minute. Jesus is teaching. He's out amongst the people. And I want you to see what happens starting in verse 15. Starting in verse 15, it says, one day some parents brought their little children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. If you have kids and you knew Jesus was in town, you'd probably do the same, right? There'd be a long line. But when the disciples saw this, they scolded the parents for bothering him. Hmm. The disciples thought Jesus was too important for these kids, right? And you need to see how Jesus responds. This This is really great. Then Jesus called for the children, so now he's calling the kids. And he said to the disciples, Let the children come to me, don't stop them. Look at this. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. And then he turns it up one more notch in verse 17, and he says this, I tell you the truth, that anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. All right, look at me for a second. We need to do this series, don't you think? We need to understand what Jesus was talking about here. And I want to read you this same verse, verse 17, in the message, Paraphrase Bible, where, where it says this, These children are the kingdoms, what are those two words? Pride and joy. Mark this, unless you accept God's kingdom in the simplicity of a child, you'll never get in. I love, I love the simplicity, the faith, the perspective of children, full of faith and incredibly and completely genuine, uh, believing, trusting, confident. And listen, I know how this happens because we work hard. Hopefully you're working hard as a parent, as a Grandparent, as an aunt, as an uncle, as a mentor in kids' lives to help them have a solid foundation to build their lives on. And so we do that here at Plum Creek. We work hard to provide environments for our children and for our students to be able to learn these foundational principles that are, that are part of the way that God has called us to understand him. And that starts when you're very young. Now, here's what we need to do. Can you guys do me a favor? Can you give a thunderous Plum Creek-like standing ovation and I'm not even kidding you stand up right now standing ovation to a plum creek rock star who's part of our leadership team helping with the kids his name is Biba Tom can you guys just thank Biba Tom for being here today <laughs> now Tom many of these people <clears throat> they don't know they don't know what you're doing I know what you're doing and if you have a A child who is in preschool, you better give him another hand right now, because you get it. Uh, Tom is a gifted musician, loves, loves, loves kids. He's a grandpa. And he came to us and said, I want to use what I'm passionate about to make a difference in kids' lives. Would it be okay if two times a month I came and just wandered through each of the preschool classrooms and led the kids in singing? So... My nephew, Declan, you know what he wanted for Christmas? He wanted a guitar like Biba Tom. (laughs) You think you can't make a difference in kids' lives, you're wrong. So thank you for stepping up. Thank you for volunteering. Thank you for using your gifts. And listen, uh, what I I want this to also be to each of you is an inspiration that you as well can use your gifts. You might not be able to play the guitar, uh, but God has given you gifts. And they're to be used for the cause of Christ. Don't ever forget that. You can make a difference. And so, uh, actually, Declan, after he got his guitar on Christmas, I saw the video, he, he played his guitar really hard, and you know, the, the great thing is when Biba Tom comes in the room, and the hard thing is when he leaves, right? So he played his guitar really hard, and he put it down, and he's like, got to go. And he left, because he was going to go just like Tom does to the next classroom. Tell us how you got the nickname Biba Tom and lead us today. So,
2: uh, so my, son, my grandson Jonah couldn't pronounce grandpa, but he could pr- pronounce Bipa. And so that's how I got my name coined—was Beepa Tom, and Nancy, my wife, is Oma Nancy. So Beepa Tom and Oma Nancy. That's awesome. <laughs> so we're going to sing some songs now. I, I hate to pit one, uh, one of our services against the other, but the first two services were just a little mediocre on their singing. So I really want you to belt it out here this morning. I know you know you know you know this song. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, little ones to him belong, they are weak, but he is strong. Okay, hold on just a minute. I can't hear you. I can hear Doug, and actually, he's not too bad. He's not telling the truth. He's a good singer. Let's do that again, but I want to hear you, folks. the bible tells me so awesome. very good all right do you know, obviously you know how to clap but you know, do you know how to clap in rhythm can you clap twice 1 2 all right come one more time 1 2 can you stomp your feet one more louder can you shout amen amen amen, amen. here we go if you're happy and you know clap your hands if you're happy and you know it shout amen Amen. if you're happy and you know it then your face will surely show it if you're happy and you know it shout amen. amen if you're happy and you know it do all three clap clap stomp stomp amen if you're happy and you know it do all three clap clap Stomp, stomp, amen. If you're happy and you know it, then your face will surely show it. If you're happy and you know it, do all three. Clap, clap, stomp, stomp, amen. That's right, amen, folks. Thank you very much.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you can be seated. You can be seated. So what happens is we begin to learn these things about our God, and it starts for many when you're young, and you begin to learn principles like this, that Jesus loves me. I know, for the Bible tells me so, and when I'm happy, you're going to be able to see it because there's a joy inside of me until maybe something happens, right? Where our faith collides with real life circumstances and situations, it has a tendency to impact some of the simplicity, and sometimes that simplicity seems to wane, and it can even be a progression that takes place that can cause our faith to decay. And it might start before before we even are in adulthood, right? Like as a good Christian little kid, you you want to have a dog, right? Because that's what good Christian kids pray for. Dogs, not cats. <laughs> and you pray for your dog. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> Look, I'm scared of cats, right? It's just, let's just put that out there. I'm scared of cats. And uh, and so you pray for a dog, you get a dog, and you know what happens. Inevitably, a few years later, what happens? The dog starts to get sick, and we've all been—many of us have been through this. And the dog dies, and you wonder, as a kid, what what, what happened? You know, I mean, like God, God provided that dog, or maybe, maybe it's even at another level than that. There was a family member, somebody that you cared about, a friend that got sick, and you prayed for them, and it didn't didn't seem to turn. It didn't seem to get any better and we're vulnerable as kids. Or maybe maybe for you, it was as a child, you remember the animosity at home while you were trying to fall asleep. You could hear your parents' conflict and you could hear the arguments. And And the only way that you could have some kind of peace trying to fall asleep was to pray that God would somehow help them to get along, somehow help them to not end up in a divorce and, and it happened anyway. Real life seems to collide with this childlike faith that we have and we're vulnerable and maybe in your young adult years or your early adult years this happened to you too and you didn't really feel like God was there when you needed him. You prayed about something related to school or work or um, a marriage or finances, your health. And when those things hit us, it collides with the simplicity that we that we've learned as kids. you know Jesus loves me. This I thought, right? This I thought. Because it doesn't seem to work with this faith that, that hits real life stuff. And sometimes our faith falls apart. And I don't really know where you are today. But I know that it's not uncommon in a room full of people of this size that there would be some that are saying, you know, I don't really know what I believe anymore. I mean, I've heard those things. But I don't know if I really believe it. I don't know where I stand. I want to believe, but I'm just not sure this all works. Why are these different things happening? And You know, sometimes as we head into our teenage years, we can get to this place where there's some real unresolved issues, some questions, some challenges. And not too long ago, I came across this video of a young man who was writing some of his thoughts and turned it into a video so that that we could see it. I want you to direct your attentions to the screen and watch what he said.
3: God doesn't love me. You can't force me to believe that God is good. This is the one truth in life. This world is a product of chance. How can I believe that God will use my life? I know with certainty that God has left me. Never again will I say that Christ is risen from the dead. I know now more than ever in my life that man can save himself. We must realize that it's ignorant to think God answers prayers. Christians declare that without God, this world would fall into darkness. This world can and will meet my needs. It is a lie to say God has always been there for me. I now realize that no matter what I do, the truth is, He doesn't love me. How can I presume that God is for me?
1: So you hear something like this. very encouraging, right? That's a very encouraging little uh, video there. But uh, those are some of the feelings. The only difference between He and, and me and He and you is that He put it on paper and He communicated those things on video and I think this is why Jesus said what we just read in the gospel of Luke in Luke chapter 18 verse 17 um, powerful he's trying to help us capture the thought I tell you the truth anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it I'm asking God to bring us back to that simple solid faith that firmly believes that he is good and he is for us And I'm going to share with you some verses and some things that communicate that. But I'm not foolish enough to think that just because I share some verses that it's going to dramatically change and impact your life, that all of a sudden you're going to have childlike faith again and be ready for the challenges of real life. I can't do that. Um, But God can. So let your heart be open today as I share these things. I want to share with you first... A verse that some of you know well, Jeremiah chapter 29, 11. Some of you might even have a Jeremiah chapter 29, 11 tattoo uh, because it's become such a popular verse in our culture today. And it says this, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, they are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. We read that and it just does something inside of us, right? It's like, yeah. That's what I need to hear, but here's the problem. A lot of times we don't understand the historical context in which this verse was written. Now, I don't want you to go and erase your tattoo just quite yet, Uh, so so bear with me. You're going to hear what I have to say, and at first you're going to go, oh, and then you're going to go, ah, because it's even better than you think, but it's not what you think. Are you ready? So here's the context of this misunderstood verse. The heart of this verse is not that we would escape our lot, but in fact that we would learn to thrive in the midst of challenge. You see, the Israelites were in exile. That exile was a punishment from God because of their disobedience to him. What happens is, if you read the story in Jeremiah chapter 29, what happens is there's this false prophet named Hananiah who comes and he boldly proclaims a false prophecy to the nation of Israel. And he says this, that that God was going to free Israel from Babylonian captivity in two years. Now, you know, I need to give you a little bit of a spoiler alert because I do hope you'll go back and read this passage of Scripture. He was full of crap. (laughs) That is not the message that God wanted communicated to the nation of Israel. So now I'm going to read you one of the least read verses in the Bible, which is the one right before Jeremiah chapter 29.11, and that's Jeremiah 29.10, obviously, and it's not quite as good a news as you might think. The, the true prophet now, Jeremiah, steps up to the table to correct it, and this is what he said. This is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for, somebody read that? Oh, goody, right? So here's the prediction. It's not two. look at me, none of you are going to make it. That's the message. None of you are going to make it, but then I will come and do for you all the good things that I have promised, and I will bring you home again pause, 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 don't erase the tattoo yet, because you got to see what happens. And then it's right after this, after he said that it's going to take 70 years. After that, 70 years are completed in Babylon. Then you're going to be able to uh, return home. Then, Then the verse comes that we've heard before, verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, they are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And then he continues in two more very uh, often not read verses, and verse, uh, look what happens here in those days. Now look, there's some responsibility on our part. In those days, when you, I will listen, for if you look for me, how? Wholeheartedly you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore Your fortunes. Now you begin to see some things are happening here. Um, Now, watch what he says at the very end. This is the end then of the 70 years. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and will bring you home again to your own land. A little different than you thought, huh? It's important for us to know, though, that God's promises are the same yesterday, today, and forever. The beauty of this particular passage of scripture is this you're not the nation of Israel, right? But you're still God's kid. His heart is still the same. And so uh, a couple of years ago, Pastor Gary did a message on this, helping us to understand how to interpret Scripture and apply it to our lives. So now we take what was said here and we apply it in the New Covenant and we understand that God has told us, and I shared this with you last week, that he'll never leave us or forsake us. So the message is this. Sometimes life is tough. But we have to see things differently. We have to understand there's an eternal perspective. It might not always work out the way you want it to, the way that we think it should. But if we will understand the heart of our God, as we walk our lives on this crazy earth, we remember that the best growth times oftentimes will be the difficult spots of life, the biggest challenges that we have to face. Even during our trials, maybe even most often during our trials, we learn about this God that we serve. And so then we begin to understand, you know, my life, Doug's life, is not perfect and neither is yours, but God is good and God loves me. Life is not always without difficulties and challenges, right? And the problem is that we'll hear a message in church, right? Give your heart to Jesus, and everything works out. You can almost happily ever after. Okay, let me ask you a question today. If you are a Christ follower, and you've given your heart to Jesus, and you still have difficult times in your life, will you raise your hand? Okay, so whoever told you that other message was full of crap, right? It's not true. It's not true. But what is true is that God is good, and he is with you. Our world is bad. Sin is real. The enemy's attacks are real. But God loves me, and he is for me. He is passionate about you. He is passionate about a personal relationship with you, and there is hope. So we're going to shift gears for just a second. And what I want to do is talk to you about how having this kind of faith changes you from the inside out, this childlike faith. And so you can see on your journey guides, if you pull them out, our main thought this weekend is this, childlike faith erases my fear. Childlike faith erases my fear. How does that happen? So first of all, you might want to write this down. I don't hide from God, but I run to God. I don't hide from God, but I run to God. You see, it's a different perspective. Okay, let's get back to the Christians having dogs. How many you have a dog? Raise your hand. They're awesome. We used to have a dog too. And uh, there'd be times, you'll know this, where you don't really know all the details of what's happened throughout the course of the day and you come home and your dog looks like that. <laughs> and you know what's going through your mind right there. Like, how does a dog look guilty? What did the dog do. If it didn't look like that one, maybe it looks like this one, right? That dog knows that it has done wrong, right? Okay, one more. If it's not like that one, maybe it's like this one right here, right? (laughs) I know, I know. And it's hard to get mad at a little puppy that looks like that, but all right, now look at me. Forget the puppy for a second. I want you to think about your life and I want you to know this. There are definitely times when we approach our relationship with God just like those dogs. Hang our head, feel guilty, feel like we're not worthy, and do everything to not make eye contact. Would you agree? Yeah. We treat God the same way, thinking that we need to hide from him, ignore him, avoid him, blame him, or even run from him. We've all done this. You see, the crazy thing is that we're not the first to do this, and definitely we won't be the last. If you've read the story of creation, when God created humanity, they got deceived, right? They chose to disobey. They sinned, and the first thing that they did when they sinned is the same thing that we have a tendency to do. You've got to see this in Genesis 3.8. Now, God is coming after they've um, sinned, and when the cool of the evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So read this out loud. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. See, they're not the first, we're not the first ones to do it. This has been happening since the creation of mankind and this is, listen, this is one of the greatest tricks of our enemy. You've heard his whispers before and he always whispers lies. We've heard them and we've heard them so many times that may maybe even today we're we're finding ourselves in a spot where we're believing lies so when we mess it up he comes and he says you blew it you blew it he says you're no good you're never going to recover and your head begins to hang he says god doesn't want you you're not good enough You don't deserve God. You'll never change. You're a failure. Do not get close to him because he'll zap you. And we've been there. As a matter of fact, I'll bet you some of you are there right now where you've been pushing back from relationship with God because you feel like you need to run from him. But if you'll read this story, it's beautiful in Genesis. The Bible tells us that God went looking for them not to shake a fist or point a finger, but to begin the redemptive plan. The heart of our God is to help us have relationship, restored relationship with him. The right thing to do when you know his character is to go towards him. The psalmist wrote in 40, Psalm 46.1, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help In times of trouble. You might want to write that one down. Or Ephesians 3.12. Because of Christ and our faith in him. Listen. We can now come. And what's the word? Boldly and confidently into God's presence. You see someone need to hear that. Someone really needed to hear that today. That having and recapturing a childlike faith is going to erase your fear. It's going to change you because you don't hide from God but you run to God. God. That's a game changer. All right, the next one. This is another way that childlike faith erases my fear. And you need to listen to this because there's a little bit of a spin here. I don't live for God's approval. I live, and what's the word, from God's approval. Do you see the difference? See, I've been a Christ follower for a very long time. As a matter of fact, raised in church, went to church a ton, chose Jesus to be my Jesus when I was five, five years old. And I still wrestle from time to time with the idea of feeling like I have to earn God's love and approval. We all do. Somehow thinking that this is based on me and how good I can be and and how I behave. And one of my favorite passages of Scripture, you also might want to write this one down, is Romans 5.8, and it's good news. God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us. And look at this, while we were still what? Oh, thank you, God. You see, it has nothing to do with my behavior, does it? He loved me before I loved him. In fact, he loved me before I even existed. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 in the Message Paraphrase Bible says this, Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind. Had settled on us the focus of his love, to be made whole and holy by his love. That's awesome. I've told this story, and you guys, some of you, have heard it before. When I was in junior high, I loved to play basketball. I played a lot of basketball over the years. And when I was in junior high, as big of a game as you could have, we had, we made it to the postseason, and we were in this uh, postseason tournament. It was a really big deal. And so I got to start in the center. Tipped the ball to me at the beginning of the game, and I ran down, perfect form, uh, layup, and scored um, for the wrong team. Yeah. <laughs> The reason you're laughing right now is because you're as uncomfortable as I was. You really didn't know how to respond. And I'm going to be honest with you. The way you laughed right there was very unkind to me. <laughs> okay? I'm still in therapy. I'm still trying to recover. Because what happens to a little junior high kid is this. When you know you've screwed up that bad and the entire gym is making a mockery of what you've just done, you talk about deflated, you talk like feel like a loser, let the team down, embarrassed. So real, so real in my life. Except for one voice. And I learned something that day. You see, my daddy was there. And while the rest of the gym was laughing, I could hear that voice I'd heard before. And I heard him say, perfect form, kid. Now play some defense. And in that moment, the rest of what was happening in the gym didn't matter. Because what I learned that day was something that I treasured deeply. You see, my dad's love and my dad's approval had nothing to do with my performance. It didn't matter what I did because of whose I was. Did you catch that? And here's what you need to know. When you understand that, and when I heard Dad's voice say perfect form, which in my head at that moment didn't matter, but was true. I mean it was good form. And I heard him say, play good good defense. You know what that did inside of me? I no longer worried about making mistakes, right? Like, I don't want to make mistakes, but that wasn't about the mistake. All of a sudden, when you know that that's the kind of approval that you have in your life, that's not dependent on performance, but dependent on whose I was, I played harder. Had a great game from then on out. And yeah, people could laugh and joke, and my friends did for quite a while. But I learned something about my dad that day that we need to learn about our Heavenly Father. And that's this. He loves you, not because of what you do and how you perform, but because of whose you are. And if you can live from that place, it will change you. You see, if that's not your response today, it's likely that you have not captured the awe of his full embrace of your soul. He loves you. Jesus Loves me. This I know. For the Bible it tells me so. No verse about how I behave. And I wish there was a way for you to have seen your faces when we did the cute kid songs with Bibbittum. There's something that recaptured that youthful kind of understanding and took us back to a happy spot, right? that we wish we could be more often, and the reality is, if you will do what he's telling us to do, if you will approach your relationship with God with a childlike heart, you can be there. Not because of what you do, but because of whose you are. So childlike faith erases my fear, and it changes us. We don't hide from God, but we run to God. We don't live for his approval, but we live from his approval. And then this is the last one I want you to write down. I don't worry about life's circumstances because I know God is at work. I don't worry about life's circumstances because I know God is at work. That's very easy, right? Like, I say that today, and I'm like, oh, geez, that's great. That's really easy to say, Doug, and it's really hard to live because I'm a good worrier, too, just like you. And we can worry about life's circumstances. It's easy to get uptight and worried about things that happened to us, health stuff and school stuff and work stuff and relationship stuff. But this kind of faith that doesn't fear what happens to me only begins to be captured when we understand him with a childlike understanding because he's at work in me. And this is faith and confidence that God wants us to be able to stand on, solidly stand on. And again, here, this is something we have to get today. Somebody really needed to hear this because you're going through some really tough stuff right now. It doesn't feel like childlike faith is going to pull you, but you're wrong. You see, that childlike faith will guide you and be the foundation that you can stand on. So we hear verses like this one. You might want to write this one down as well. Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes... Uh, just read that word. That was very pathetic. Beba Tom would be very depressed. And we know that God causes. Everything. Oh, please let that settle in your heart. Everything to work together for the good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. And every time I read this verse to you, I'm going to say the same thing, and I'm going to say it until I'm dead, because I need to hear it just like you do. Does this verse say that bad stuff becomes good? Does somehow bad things that have happened to you, circumstances that stink, become good? That's not what it says, right? It's not like divorce becomes good or sickness or death becomes good or heartache becomes good. It doesn't say that. What does it say? God causes everything to do what? Work together for the good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. It's very different. I want you to understand that God is for you, and if he is for you, nobody can be against you. We're talking about the creator of the universe here. There is nobody, there is nothing that can stop the purposes and the promises of God. And if you're facing something right now that you don't like, I understand that. I've been there. Maybe not your exact circumstance. Maybe not the exact uh, situation that you're faced with right now. But I've been through some things, too, that I definitely wish could somehow, poof, be magically taken away. Things that I didn't want to have to go through and that I'm currently going through. I understand setbacks. But what I realize is this, and maybe you want to write this one down, too. Sometimes setbacks are set ups for what God wants to do. Sometimes our setbacks are set ups for what God wants to do. So how do we capture a childlike faith? How do we get it? Heading into this week that lies in front of us, how do we get it? Sometimes we just have to flip our perspective. We have to be able to see it just a little bit different. So what I want you to do now is direct your attentions to the screen and watch the beauty unfold that this young man actually wrote when he started
3: writing this poem. God doesn't love me. You can't force me to believe God is good. This is the one truth in life. This world is a product of chance. How can I believe God will use my life? I know certainty that God has left me. Never again will I say Christ is risen from the dead. I know now more than ever in my life man can save himself. He must realize that it is ignorant to think God answers prayers. Christians declare that without God, this world would fall into darkness. This world can and will meet my needs. It is a lie to say God has always been there for me. I now realize that no matter what I do, truth is, he doesn't love me. How can I presume God is for me? Unless God changes my heart, And I come to realize that God is for me. How can I presume that he doesn't love me? The truth is, no matter what I do, I now realize that God has always been there for me. It is a lie to say that this world can and will meet my needs. Without God, this world would fall into darkness. Christians declare that God answers prayers. You must realize that it's ignorant to think man can save himself. I know now, more than ever in my life, that Christ is risen from the dead. Never again will I say that God has left me. I know with certainty that God will use my life. How can I believe that this world is a product of chance? This is the one truth in life. God is good. You can't force me to believe God doesn't love me.
1: We bow your heads for just a moment. Bow your heads. Father, we come before you today, and we we do need... uh, a flip of our perspective. Life can be difficult. It can be challenging. And Lord, we, many of us, Lord, we've heard things about you. We've heard things about Jesus's love for us for years and years. And uh, it is so easy to lose hold of the truth that we heard, even for some of us when we were very young, singing songs like we did today. Uh, but God, we need to recapture a childlike faith, a childlike heart, and get back to the basics and allow your voice to be what we hear and not the whispers and the lies of our enemy. We know that his plan is to steal, kill, and destroy, but you have come to bring us life. And so today, Lord, there is somebody here that's facing insurmountable challenge. There seems to be no way out, and it's rocking their faith. God, I pray right now in this moment that you allow there to be a perspective of change that says Jesus loves me this i know for the bible tells me so and God we know it's easy to say and it's hard to live when it doesn't feel like you're in the middle of our stuff Somehow today, Lord, this week, will you help us to see your hand at work and to see that even in the midst of challenge, you're there. That you love us deeply that you will walk with us through the most difficult times of life. And Lord, for the rest of us that have allowed kind of real life to collide with our faith that's caused it in some way to crumble, some way to be doubted, Lord, in our hearts we want to believe will you rekindle a childlike faith that just says, I believe that God is for me, not against me. I believe that Jesus loves me. And that Lord, we'd be at a place where regardless of what we've done, we wouldn't hide from you, but we'd run to you that we wouldn't live for your approval, but we would have a completely different perspective that we would live from your approval. And that God, when we face those tough times in life, you'll help us to not worry about our circumstances because we know that you are at work. I also know in a room this size, there may be someone that's here today and uh, this message has spoken to you and you've never made a decision to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. And In this moment, you know uh, this is your chance. And I wanna pray with you. Everybody's head's bowed and eyes are closed. No one's looking around. It's just you and me and the Lord here for a second. If you'd say, you know what, Doug? I've waited long enough. Maybe you need to rededicate your heart to the Lord. Recapture that childlike faith. If that's you, would you just shoot your hand up real quick? Keep it up for me to be able to see. I would love to pray with you today. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. All right, you can put them down. Just pray with me. God, I need that childlike faith. It's not easy when life seems so complicated, but I realize that I need to be in a relationship with you, and I thank you for your simple love. Help me to build this life and this new perspective on this, that Jesus loves me. I know I've fallen short of your perfect standard. I need you to forgive me, and I thank you for what you did on the cross. Help me to not run from you, but now, beginning today, run to you. Help me to understand what it means to be your child and help me, God, to live different because
0: of what you've done for me. In your name we pray, amen. If you made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, congratulations. We are so excited for you and we'd love to equip you with some resources, some next steps, and a complimentary gift. Just text the word FAITH to 40650. And if today you just need to talk to someone or would like to have someone pray with you, you can call our church office at 303-663-1714. And one of our pastors would be happy to spend some time with you. From everyone here at Plum Creek, have a great day.